Chapter 23, verses 13 through 24 of Catina Aria, Commentary on the Four Gospels Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers by St. Thomas Aquinas. The Sibervox recording is in the public domain. Verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither ye suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Origin. Christ is truly the Son of God who gave the law. After the example of the blessings pronounced in the law, did himself pronounce the blessings of them that are saved. And also, after the cursings of the law, he now sets forth a woe against sinners. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! They who allow that is compatible with goodness to utter these denunciations against sinners should understand that the purpose of God is the same in the cursings of the law. Both the cursings there and the woe here fall upon the sinner, not from him who denounces, but from themselves who commit the sins which are denounced, and worthily bring upon themselves the inflictions of God's discipline, appointed for the turning of men to good. So a father rebuking a son utters words of cursing, but does not desire that he should become deserving of those curses, but rather that he should turn himself from them. He adds the cause of this woe. Ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, nor suffer them that are entering to go in. These two commandments are by nature inseparable, because not to suffer others to enter in is of itself enough to keep the hinderer out. Pseudo-Chrysostom By the kingdom of heaven is meant the scriptures, because in them the kingdom of heaven is lodged, the understanding of these is the door, or the kingdom of heaven is the blessedness of heaven, and the door thereof Christ, by whom men enter in. The doorkeepers are the priests, to whom is committed the word of teaching or interpreting the scripture, by which the door of truth is open to men. The opening of this door is right interpretation, and observe that he said not, Woe unto you, for ye open, but for ye shut up, the scriptures, then, are not shut up, though they are obscure. Origin. The Pharisees and the scribes then would neither enter in, nor hear him who said, By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Nor would they suffer those to enter in, who were able to have believed through the things which had been spoken before the law and the prophets concerning Christ, but shut up the door with every kind of device to deter men from entering. Also they detracted from his teaching, denied all prophecy concerning him, and blasphemed every miracle as deceitful, or wrought by the devil. All who in their evil conversation set an example of sinning to the people, and who commit injustice, offending the weak, seem to shut up the kingdom of heaven before men. And this sin is found among the people, and chiefly among the doctors, when they teach men what the gospel righteousness requires of them but do not what they teach. But those who both teach and live well open to men the kingdom of heaven, and both enter in themselves and invite others to enter in. Many also will not suffer those who are willing to enter into the kingdom of heaven, when they without reason excommunicate out of jealousy others who are better than themselves. Thus they refuse them entrance, but these of sober spirit, overcoming by their patience this tyranny, although forbidden, yet enter in and inherit the kingdom. Also they who, with much rashness, have set themselves to the profession of teaching, 
before they have learned, and following Jewish fables detract from those who search out the higher things of Scripture. These do, as far as in them lies, shut out men from the kingdom of heaven. Verse 14. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. Chrysostom. Next the Lord rebukes them for their gluttony, and what was worse, that not for the rich, but from the widows they took wherewith to fill their bellies, this burdening the poverty of those whom they should have relieved. Gloss. Devour widows' houses, that is, your superstitions have this only aim, namely, to make a gain of the people that is put under you. Pseudo-Chrysostom, the female sex is imprudent, as not contemplating with reason all that it sees or hears, and weak as being easily turned either from bad to good or from good to bad. The male sex is more prudent and hardy, and therefore pretenders to holiness practice most upon women, who are unable to see their hypocrisy, and are easily inclined to love them on the ground of religion. But widows they chiefly choose to attempt, first because a woman who has her husband to advise her is not so readily deceived, and secondly, she has not the means of giving, being in the power of her husband. The Lord then, whilst he confounds the Jewish priests, instructs the Christian that they should not frequent widows rather than others. For, though their purpose may not be bad, it gives occasion to suspicions. Chrysostom, the manner of this plundering is grievous, for they make long prayers. Every one who does evil deserves punishment, but he who takes occasion for his offense from religion deserves more severe punishment. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Pseudo-Chrysostom, first for that ye are wicked, and then because ye put on the cloak of sanctity, your covetousness you dress up in the color of religion, and use God's arms in the devil's service, that iniquity may be loved while it is thought to be piety. Hilary, or because their observance of the kingdom of heaven proceeds hence, that they may keep up their practice of going about to the widows' houses, they shall therefore receive the heavier judgment, as having their own sin and the ignorance of others to answer for. Gloss, or because the servant that knew his Lord's will and did it not shall be beaten with many stripes. Verse 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you will take him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Chrysostom. This the next charge against them is, that they are unequal to the salvation of many, seeing they need so much labor to bring one to salvation. And not only are they slack in conversion, but destroy even those whom they do convert, by corrupting them by example of evil life. Hilary, that they compass sea and land signifies that throughout the whole world they shall be enemies of Christ's gospel and shall bring men under the yoke of the law against the justification of faith. There were proselytes made into the synagogue from among the Gentiles, the small number of whom is here denoted by what is said one proselyte. For after the preaching of Christ there was no faith left in their doctrine, but whoever was gained to the faith of the Jews became a child of hell. Origin. For all who Judaize since the coming of the Savior are taught to follow the tempter of those who cried at that time, Crucify, crucify him. 
Hilary, and because he becomes the child of a twofold punishment, because he has not obtained remission of his Gentile sins, and because he has joined the society of those who persecuted Christ. Jerome. Or otherwise the scribes and Pharisees compassed the whole world to make proselytes of the Gentiles, that is, to mix the uncircumcised stranger with the people of God. Pseudo-Chrysostom. And that not of compassion from desire to save him whom they taught, but either from covetousness that the greater number of the worshippers might increase the number of offerings made in sacrifice, or out of vainglory. For he who sinks himself in a sloth of sins, how should he be desirous to rescue another out of them? Will a man be more merciful to another than to himself? By a man's actions, therefore, it may be known whether he seeks another's conversion for God's sake or out of vainglory. Gregory. But forasmuch as hypocrites, though they do ever crooked things, yet cease not to speak right things, and thus by their good instructions beget sons, but are not able to bring them up by good life. But the more they give themselves up to worldly works, the more willingly do they suffer those whom they have begotten to work the same. And because their hearts are hardened, these very sons whom they have begotten, they do not own by any sign of the affection due. Wherefore it is here said of the hypocrites, And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Augustine. This he said not because the proselytes were circumcised, but because they imitated the lives of those from following whom he had prohibited his disciples, saying, Do ye not after their works. Two things are observed in this command. First, the honor shown to Moses' teaching, that even wicked men, when sitting in his seat, are compelled to teach good things, and that the proselyte is made of child of hell, not by hearing the words of the law, but by following their doings, and twofold more than they for this reason, that he neglects to fill what he had undertaken of his own choice, having been not born a Jew, but of a free will become a Jew. Jerome. Or because before, while he was a Gentile, he erred in ignorance, and was only a child of hell. But seeing the vices of his masters, and understanding that they destroyed in their actions what they taught in words, he returns to his vomits and becomes a Gentile. He is worthy of greater punishment as one that has deserted his cause. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Or because while he was a worshiper of idols, he observed righteousness even because of men. But when he became a Jew, prompted by the example of evil teachers, he became worse than his teachers. Chrysostom. For the disciple imitates a virtuous master, but goes beyond a vicious one. Jerome. He is called a child of hell in the same way as one is said to be a child of perdition, and a child of this world. Every man is called the son of him whose works he does. Origin. From this place we learn that there will be a difference of torment in hell. Seeing one is here said to be singly a child of hell, another twofold. And we ought to consider here whether it is possible that a man should be generally a child of hell as a Jew, suppose, or a Gentile, or whether specially so in consequence of some particular sins, that as a righteous man is increased in glory by the abundance of his righteousness, so a sinner's punishment is increased manifold by the number of his sins. Verses 16 through 22. 
Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall enter by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whither is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whither is greater, the gift or the altar which sanctifieth the gift? And whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Jerome. As by making broad phylacteries and fringes they sought after the reputation of sanctity, and made this again a means of gain, so now he charges them with being teachers of wickedness by their fraudulent pretense of tradition. For when in any dispute or quarrel or ambiguous cause one swore by the temple, he was afterwards convicted of falsehood. He was not held guilty. This is what is meant by whosoever shall swear by the temple it is nothing, that is, he owes nothing. But if he had sworn by the gold or by the money which was offered to the priests in the temple, he was immediately compelled to pay down that by which he had sworn. Pseudo Chrysostom, the temple pertains to God's glory and to man's spiritual salvation. But the gold of the temple, though it pertains to the glory of God, yet does it more so to the delight of man and the profit of the priests. The Jews then pronounced the gold which delighted them and the gifts which fed them to be more holy than the temple, that they might make men more disposed to offer gifts than to pour out prayers in the temple, whence the Lord suitably reproves them in these words. Yet have some Christians at present an equal foolish notion. See, they say, If any suit, if any one swear by God, it seems not. But if one swear by the gospel, he seems to have done something great. To whom we shall say in like manner, Ye fools and blind, the scriptures were written because of God. God is not because of the scriptures. Greater therefore is God than what is hallowed by him. Jerome. Again, if one swore by the altar, none held him guilty of perjury. But if he swore by the gift or the victims or the other things which are offered to God upon the altar, this they exacted more rigorously. And all this they did not out of fear of God, but out of covetousness. Thus the Lord charges them with both folly and fraud, inasmuch as the altar is much greater than the victims which are sanctified by the altar. Gloss. Unless their infatuation should go so far that they affirm that the gold was more holy than the temple, and the gift than the altar, he argues on another ground, that in the oath which is sworn by the temple and the altar is contained the oath by the gold or by the gift. Origin. In like manner, the custom which the Jews had of swearing by the heaven he reprobates. For they did not, as they supposed, avoid the danger of taking an oath by God, because whoso sweareth by heaven sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Gloss. For whoso swears by the creature that is subject swears by the divinity that rules over the creation. Origin. Now an oath is in confirmation of somewhat that has been spoken. The oath here then may signify testimony of scripture, which we produce in confirmation of that word which we speak. 
so that divine scripture is the temple of God. The gold is the meaning which it contains. As the gold which is outside the temple is not sanctified, so all thoughts which are without divine scripture, however admirable they may seem, are not hallowed. We ought not, therefore, to bring any speculations of our own for the confirmation of doctrine, unless such as we can show are hallowed by being contained in divine scripture. The altar is the human heart, which is the chief thing in man. The offerings and gifts that are hid upon the altar are everything which are done in the heart, as to pray, to sing, to do alms, to fast. Every offering of a man, then, is sanctified by his heart, by which the offering is made. There cannot, therefore, be a more honorable offering than the heart of man, out of which the offering proceeds. If, then, one's conscience does not smite him, he has confidence toward God, not by reason of his gifts, but so to speak because he has rightly ordered the altar of his heart. Thirdly, we may say that over the temple, that is, over every scripture, and over the altar, that is, over every heart, there is a certain meaning which is called the heaven, the throne of God himself, in which we shall be able to see the things that are revealed face to face. When that which is perfect is come. Hilary. For since Christ is come, reliance upon the law is vain. For not Christ by the law, but the law by Christ is sanctified, in whom it rests as on a seat or throne. So are they fools and blind, who overlooking the sanctifier pay honor to the thing sanctified. Augustine. The temple and altar we may also understand of Christ himself. The gold and the gifts of the praise and sacrifice of prayer which we offer in him and through him. For not he by them, but they by him are sanctified. Verses 23 and 24. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat, and swallow a camel. Chrysostom. The Lord had said above that they bound heavy burdens upon others, which they themselves would not touch. He now again shows how they aimed at being correct in little things, but neglected weightier matters. Jerome. The Lord had commanded that for the maintenance of the priests and the Levites, whose portion was the Lord, tithes of everything should be offered in the temple. Accordingly, the Pharisees, to dismiss the mystical expositions, concerned themselves about this alone, that these trifling things should be paid in, but lightly esteemed other things which were weightier. He charges them, then, with covetousness in exacting carefully the tithes of worthless herbs, while they neglected justice in their transactions of business, mercy to the poor and faith towards God, which are weightier matters, pseudo-chrysostom, or because these covetous priests, when anyone did not bring his tithes of the smallest thing, made it a matter of grave reprehension. But when one injured his neighbor or sinned against God, they were at no pains to reprove him, careful only for their own profit, neglecting the glory of God and the salvation of men. For to observe righteousness, to do mercy, and to have faith, these things God commanded for his own glory. But the payment of tithes he established for the support of the priests, so that the priests should minister to the people in spiritual things, and the people supply the priests with carnal things. Thus it is at this time, when all are careful of their own honor, 
none of God's honor. They jealously protect their own rights, but will not bestow any pains in the service of the church. If the people pay not their tithes duly, they murmur. But if they see the people in sin, they utter not a word against them. But because some of the scribes and Pharisees to whom he is now speaking were of the people, it is not unsuitable to make a different interpretation. And to tithe may be used as well of him who pays as of him who receives tithes. The scribes then and Pharisees offered tithes of the very best things for the purpose of displaying their righteousness. But in their judgments they were unjust, without mercy for their brethren, without faith for the truth. Origin. But because it was possible that some, hearing the Lord speak thus, might thereupon neglect paying tithes of small things, he prudently adds, These things ought ye to have done, i.e., justice, mercy, and faith, and not to leave the others undone, i.e., the tithing of mint, anise, and cumin. Rigmigius. In these words the Lord shows that all the commandments of the law, greatest and least, are to be fulfilled. They also are refuted who give alms of the fruit of the earth, supposing that thus they cannot sin, whereas their alms profit them nothing unless they are careful to keep themselves from sin. Hilary. And because it was much less guilt to omit the tithing of herbs than a duty of benevolence. The Lord derides them. Ye blind guides, which strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. To Rome. The camel I suppose to mean the weighty precepts, judgment, mercy, and faith. The gnat, the tithing of mint, anise and cumin, and other valueless herbs. The greater of God's commands we swallow and overlook, but show our carelessness by our religious scrupulousness in little things, which bring profit with them, origin, or by straining out a gnat, that is, putting from them small sins, swallowing a camel, that is, committing great sins, which he calls camels from the size and distorted shape of that animal. Morally, the scribes are those who think nothing else contained in scripture than the bare letter exhibits. The Pharisees are all those who esteem themselves righteous and separate themselves from others, saying, Come not nigh me, for I am clean. Mint, anise, and cumin are the seasoning, not the substantial part of food. As in our life and conversation, there are some things necessary to justification, as judgment, mercy, and faith, and others which are like the seasoning of our actions, giving them a flavor and sweetness, as abstinence from laughter, fasting, bending the knee, and such like. How shall they not be judged blind, who see not that it is of little avail to be a careful dispenser in the least things, if things of chief moment are neglected. These his present discourse overthrows, not forbidding to observe the little things, but bidding to keep more carefully the chief things. Gregory, or otherwise the gnat stings while it hums. The camel bows its back to receive its load. The Jews then strained off the gnat when they prayed to have the seditious robber released to them, and they swallowed the camel when they sought with shouts the death of him who had voluntarily taken on him the burden of our mortality. End of chapter 23, verses 13 through 24.